morning and let's share some time together and thoughts in, in something that's very important. I appreciate what Bill had to share with us. We, uh, we do have a duty and a work to do, and that's important to do, and I appreciate it. Sometimes the finances may seem kind of tedious in a way, but they are a part of what we are and part of the work we do, and they symbolize and stand for the works that we do in a congregation. Walter, I would apologize to you. Bill shouldn't have said that to you. I am just glad to see you and glad to see you uh, and so many others as well. I titled the lesson this morning, Why Have You Come? It's a couple of questions that arise in Scripture. Really, it happens more than that, but I can point out a couple of times that that question comes up in Scripture. But it made me think as I was going through this this week and trying to put some thoughts together in that regard. And by the way, the clock up here says it's 5.52. Just want you to know. 5.52 a.m., we got a ways to go. But in all seriousness, why have you come? There's a couple of places in there. But I was thinking about that in this regard this week because, you know, the fact is, if we we really want to admit it, that age kind of catches us off guard sometimes. And when you get to my point in life, and some of you who are way beyond that, we recognize that some of the things catch us off guard. And we could make quite a list if we really wanted to, but I really don't want to make a list of them. You already know what those are if you've made it down a few years, uh, made it a few years down the road. But, but, because honestly, I like to pretend they don't exist. But, but I would like for you to think about one problem that's probably common. I think it's common anyway. It's a problem that you face when you walk into a room. And you walk into that room from wherever you've come and you look at your surroundings and then you pause silently because you don't want to say it out loud to anybody else. You pause silently and you ask yourself, why did I come into here? Yes, it does happen. It made me think about a a couple of Bible stories in that regard. And one of them is that that we often refer to as David and Goliath. But the story really extends beyond just the encounter between those two. We, we know that story. We know David and his sling. We know of his stones. We know that he brings down the giant and then cuts off his, his head. Great story. Great story. Wonderful story. We teach it to our kids. But you know, the story extends a little bit beyond that, prior to that, especially because when you look at the story, you find that the giant has been coming out, that man Goliath, the giant of a man, has been coming out for 40 days. Israel has been in their battle lines. The Philistines have been in their battle lines. And they've been facing one another for at least 40 days. And during those 40 days, that man Goliath has come out there and he's faced those people and nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. He's called for somebody to come out and fight him. He said, if your guy will come out and fight me and wins, then we'll be your servants. If I win, then you'll be our servants. Again and again, it's happened for 40 days. And really what he is asking is, guys, why are you here? If we're not going to fight, why are you here? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. Then he stood, speaking of that giant Goliath, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, here it is, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose uh, Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Pretty straightforward, but notice the question. We've been out here 40 days. Why have you come out here? What in the world are you doing here? Recently, I was reading a Western novel, 
And there is a part in the story where these brothers are, tr- are chasing down the, the man who killed their father. I believe a cousin is along with them as well, who killed their father. And they've gone so long, they've run out of food, they've run out of money, they don't have an opportunity to go into a town. They ask somebody, is there there's some work we can do so that we can earn a little money to get some get some food and so we just want to work for our food here. Well, the people turn them away, send them away. They don't want those ruffians in their town, don't want them doing any of that. This, this, I could go on with the story there. Well, in the course of the later that evening, uh, one of them suggests they go in and they just break into the store and they steal what they need because they need it so bad. Well, it doesn't sound terrible, but while they are in the store stealing some food, One of them decides to break into the cash drawer and steal the cash as well. They make enough noise in there that the sheriff comes and uh, comes into the store and the one who broke into the cash drawer shoots the sheriff. But about the time he shoots the sheriff and a little bit before, one of the brothers is looking at himself and he's asking himself the question, why am I here and doing this? It's not a very good picture of it, but I like the picture, so I just throw the picture up there anyway, and all of that good old man. But you wonder, what in the world? Those guys, even in the movie, there was some wonder, what in the world are we doing here? Well, it really translates into the more pointed, the more pointed one, and that's in Matthew 26. It's the occasion where Jesus and his disciples have celebrated the Passover, where we see the institution of the Lord's Supper that we shared a little while ago. And it's that point that Jesus identifies, at least to him, Judas, that he is the traitor. Judas goes, and as he has agreed to do, and he begins to lead the mob to find Jesus. We know what he did, but listen to this interchange. Matthew 26, 48 through 50. Now his betrayer, speaking of Judas, had given them a sign, speaking of the the religious leaders, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, here's the point. Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Goliath said, why'd you guys come out here if you're not going to fight? Jesus looks at Judas and says, why have you come? Pretty important question, pretty pointed question. We know all about the Israelites. We know about David and Goliath, and we know about Judas. But really the point of the question is, what about you and me? Why have we come to this point, to where we are, even to here on Sunday morning? There needs to be an answer as to why you, why we have come here. Not just here, but why are we here? Why are we a part of this? Why are we doing what we are doing? The two mentioned cases knew why they had come. Goliath stands out before them and the people were ready for battle. He stands out and he asks that question of them, why are you here? 40 days with no battle. What in the world are we doing here? The old adage, and we might put it in a little more modern vernacular, not quite as modern as, as that because some of you wouldn't know the, the line. It says, are you going to fish or cut bait? You here to do this or not? But you know, in the midst of that, there, that same question is asked again, not just by Goliath. 
But you remember David had been sent by his father to bring supplies to the army. And as he got there, he began to talk to some about this. And he's talking to this one. And that one, his brother looks at him and he says, why have you come here? David knew why he was there. He was ready to fight. Well, when Judas came out with that mob, when he came out with that crowd to take Jesus away, when he came there to betray Jesus, that's what he's doing. You know that. Jesus knew, but he asked the question anyway. Judas needed to know. Yes, he knew the bargain that he made. He knew the silver that he was being paid for doing what he was doing. He had gone to them and he said, you're looking for somebody. I'm the guy. How much are you going to give me? And to give him the silver, they plan or to give him the silver for that. And as I said a little while ago, Judas had been identified by Jesus. He knew what he, what he was doing. He knew what was going on. He's even told what you do, do quickly. And note here, he had even planned a signal. Said, the guy that I go up and kiss, recognize it's dark in that garden. It's in the night. They don't have street lights around. It's dark in that garden. The guy that I go up and kiss, that's the one you're looking for. He had planned the signal. He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was there. The army knew why they were there. Goliath knew why they were there. But only David was the one who was willing to do what they really had planned that they came to do. They all, Judas and the Israelites, they needed to hear that question just like you and I need to hear the question. Israel needed to know whether they were ready to go and do battle or whether they were just there to put on a show. Maybe some of it had come because they wanted some of the spoil after the battle. Maybe they came because they wanted to obey the king. Maybe they came because they would fear being called cowards by the people around them. I don't know why they came exactly. Not fully. Maybe they came because they trusted in God, but not enough to go out and fight. As I've said, it appears that no one, including King Saul, was ready to step forward until David took the step. In the same light, Judas needed to see clearly what he was doing. He needed to see it in a clear light, what he was doing. He needed Jesus to ask him the question. It needed to be put forward to him. He needed to have that put into his face to say, why are you here? Do you know exactly what you're doing? Could he have been disillusioned by some of the directions that Jesus was taking in his life and wasn't doing exactly what Judas thought he ought to do? Could he have gotten lost in the thoughts of the money and how much money he could get by that? John refers to him as a thief. Could he simply be allowing himself to be controlled by the evil that creeps into the corners of our lives and makes its way out sometimes into our thoughts and our actions? There was a cause in each of their minds. David may have been sent for a different reason and may not have known the details of what was lying ahead. But when the time came, he knew exactly what he was ready to do. For him, as he said, there was a cause and he was ready for it. And Jesus knew exactly why Judas was there. He was earning that money by that traitorous means. They each, in their actions, showed why they were there. And so, as I said, the question comes back. It comes to you and me, and we've got to ask it of ourselves. It's not for me to specifically ask it of you. It's for you to ask it of yourself. So why are you here? Why am I here? And not just that we are here on a Sunday morning, but more generally, why am I where I am? Why am I what I am? 
There are several reasons that you may be right here on this Sunday morning. Tradition, obedience, because you believe God said we have to. Family, connections with family. Family, that's what we've always done as a family. Some of you are here, I know, because of the great preaching that goes on on Sunday mornings. Well, some are not, obviously. (laughs) Some are here out of fear. If I don't do this, I'll probably go to hell. Some are here for a desire because I think it's probably the right thing to do. And there may be a whole list of other things that we've got in there. They're not all bad, except the one about the preaching, of course. They're not all bad. But let's look beyond the surface. Let's look beyond the superficial. Let's look to our hearts and our motivations that drive us, that bring us, that keep us within this. As you look at the whole direction of your life and in your life, ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I what I am? What do I hope to achieve in all of this? Why am I here? Let me give you two. You can see them on the screen. You've read ahead of me already. Number one, to recognize the value of what God has given. It is a response to what God has given to us. When Jesus asked his closest disciples in John 6, when so many had walked away, will you also go away? You remember Peter's response to the agreement of the others. To whom shall we go? You have the words of life, and we have come to believe that you are the Christ. You see, they had a belief. They had a conviction. They had something in their hearts and minds that drove them. They weren't just there to get another, another meal as Jesus would multiply food. They weren't there just because they thought they were going to get something in that regard out of it. But they recognized what God was giving to some degree, that in Christ they had something. You and I have an even broader, greater opportunity to see what God has given to us. We have but to look around us and see the marvelous people in the room, to see the place we have, to see the works that Bill has identified, some of those even and more that we strive to do. We recognize God has given us a great opportunity, a great blessing, even as we pick up this word. And we read from it, look at what God has done. As we drink of that cup and to eat of that bread, we recognize God has given us so much. And when you draw in your next breath, you recognize God gave it to you. It is to recognize the value of what God has given us, and especially we emphasize the blood of Christ, the atoning sacrifice for us. It is also to fulfill love. As Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22? When they said, what's the greatest commandment of the law? He came back with a double answer. Gave them more than they asked. It was one that was not listed on those tablets of stone, but it was underneath everything that was on that tablet of stone and beyond. You're to love the Lord your God. And he qualifies it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, with all your mind. Love God. So our love is pointed towards God. He draws from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, not the normal place you would look to find the greatest of commandments, but there it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and we're to love God, to fulfill the love of God, recognizing, as I said, what he's done for us. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop there in answering the question. He says, but there's a second. There's a second command. 
Don't miss it. The second command, like unto it, and he draws from Leviticus 19. Again, not one that's just there on those tablets of stone, not just there in all the writing, but is there underneath and imbibing within all of it. Love toward others. You shall love your neighbor, other people. And he qualifies it. You're not just to love them. You're to love them as you love yourself. Powerful statements within that. Why are we here? To recognize the value of what God has given and secondly, to, to draw upon and reach out to the fulfillment of that love to God and to one another. So friends, I leave it with you this way. It may be, it may be that we become so patterned and practiced that what we do that we tend to lose some of that sense a purpose in why we're here, why we're doing what we do. We may become bored. It may become tedious. We may become lost in it if that happens. For once that sense of purpose is lost, the motivation to do anything grows weaker and weaker. We need to know within ourselves, we need to know as adults, we need to know as seniors, we need to know as parents, we need to know as brothers and sisters so that those who are behind us, those who are younger, the young ones will know. We need to know why we have come here today. But even more, we need to know why we've come to be what we are. Pointed questions, valuable. I think it ties into exactly what we were talking about this morning. Well, I talked about financial things and giving and the importance of it last week. I look at this and I say, let's look within ourselves. And when the question of why arises, we know the answer. We'll sing that song of encouragement that we have this morning. Maybe there's someone who needs to come in a public way this morning. Let us encourage you and help you. Maybe you have more questions that you want to ask. We're glad to help you with that as well. But maybe somebody needs to respond this very morning. Things are in readiness. If you've never been baptized into Christ, we can do that today, right now. If you have other needs to make known, let us assist you in it this very hour. If you need to come, please do it while we remind ourselves and while we sing together with this song.